Building a Better Story World is back. Whether this is your first episode or your 20th, thanks for tuning in. Steel Filipek here, sharing my gratitude along with my experiences in story world construction. I can't wait to share more of both today. I hope you're ready to explore more elements, case studies, and prompts as we continue to dive into interactive design. We've covered several aspects so far, including an agent, a figure who has agency or the ability to control the experience in some small way, a desire, something that the figure desires out of the world beyond the basics, and obstacles, blockages that prevent agents from achieving their desire. All are important, but we're getting to a critical element today, user choice. In classic storytelling, choices are made by characters and observed by audiences, creating conflict and characterization in equal parts, as the figures in the narrative try to get what they want by any means necessary. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Interactive design also features choice, but the audience members themselves are making the choices. It's done, Commander. Go get the Lieutenant and get the hell out of here! Belay that! We can handle ourselves! Go back and get Williams! It's their journey that you're helping to facilitate, remember. They are agents, with the capability of interacting, even if that interaction is illusory or limited. Without that interaction, your story is passive. That's perfectly fine if you're creating a television show, novel, comic book series, or some other form of broadcast media. If you want the audience to engage with you in your work, however, you're going to need to get them active. Otherwise, they'll find someone else who will give them what they want. You don't need to create a wildly branching narrative in order to do that, however. Many of you are indie artists, or are just beginning, or want a more personal connection between your audience and your work, or are interested in a medium that doesn't scale beyond a few friends on a Friday night. Gall staff. You have entered the door to the north. You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. Because of this, we're going to look at how one program mixes both traditional broadcast media with new media techniques in order to give audiences the best of both worlds, while teaching them new skills in a humorous fashion. Alright, so today we're going to be making some mustard from scratch. Beginning with its debut in 2016, It's Alive with Brad has become a streaming phenomenon for its publisher, Bon Appetit. Starring the titular Brad Leone, it's a pop-up video-esque take on cooking, specifically with living foods, from fermentation... We're going to do a little fermented garlic in honey, okay? And that's two ingredients, that's it. Well, sometimes there's a third, but we'll get to that later. To mushroom walks... Hey guys, today on It's Alive, we're out here in Washington, the state. And today we're going to be doing a little mushroom foraging. I got my fungus friends that joined me, the wonderful Colin and Andrew, and we're going to be going for the high elevation porcini mushrooms. To oyster farms. All right, so we're up here in Duxbury, Massachusetts. We're at uh, Island Creek Oyster Farm. Uh, kind enough to have us up here, show us their operation. And beyond. We're out here in the Yellowstone River, my buddy Steve Rodella from Meat Eaters. And then we're going to be doing a little, little fly fishing for whitefish. Like classic hosts from Jacques Pepin to Julia Child and everybody in between, Brad walks the audience through recipes, history, and production methods, instructing people while also bringing his own personal flair to the show. All right, I got one job. Grains in the bin. Hey, just in case, how do you turn this machine off? I got you. I'm the ammo guy in uh, Saving Private Ryan, you know? You're never going to run out, bud. 
This personal flair is a part of why audiences have responded positively to Brad's work. So positively that he's gone on to produce numerous seasons of the show, even in lockdown, guest starred on other Bon Appetit podcasts, crafted spin-offs, and been promoted to the head of BA's Test Kitchen. Understanding one's audience is key to any successful program, of course, but it's critical for interactive design. There are any number of cooking programs out there. What is it about Brad's work that speaks to the audience's desire? The humor. Through visuals and verbiage, Brad keeps things light. Unlike the stuffiness of some unmentioned programs, things never get too serious. The flexibility. Brad messes up, just like the audience. It's no big deal, however, because improvisation and working with what you've got, even with a mistake or two, is a big part of fermentation. The skills. Beyond simply teaching recipes, Brad is empowering the audience to learn more about cooking cuisine and themselves. These three things come together in every episode of It's Alive, speaking to the audience's desire to expand their horizons or test their boundaries in a fun and funny way. Before we get into the interactive quotient, however, I want you to think about your own interactive structure. If you're taking part in the prompts, I want you to either go back to your assignment on desires, or if you're new to this whole thing, think about what your audiences want out of your interactive experience. It's not about needs like in a traditional narrative. A person doesn't need to laugh or learn about fermentation or experiment with mustard in order to live. But without all of those things, what about life is worth living? Once you've got a handle on this, I want you to write three things that your audience desires out of your experience. Is it skills, chills, enlightenment, revelation? It can be any of these, none of these, or something completely off the map. The important bit is that you're putting yourself in your audience's shoes. What is it that they want? They're going to be engaging with you. So speaking to their desires is at least as important as your own desires, if not more. You may not think that It's Alive with Brad or other informational streaming shows are interactive, but consider how, unlike a classic cooking program, It's Alive is designed to allow you to play, pause, and comment. You can even watch it from your phone in the kitchen as you walk through the steps, as I have on numerous occasions. Sure, you can also do this with Jacques Pepin, a personal hero of mine, but that man's programs weren't designed for such interactions, but have been repurposed as such. It's Alive with Brad was designed with interaction from the very beginning. Let me know how you like to make kimchi, and uh, if there's other things you'd like to see me do, leave them in the comments below. Thanks for tuning in. Kimchi, bon appetit. All right, I think that was good, Vince. This goes beyond the social media aspect of it, along with the calls to like and subscribe. Brad and his producers thought about the path that the user would take when engaging with the program. The shows themselves are linear, but the ability to stop and start shouldn't be discounted. Other shows rely on the beauty of the food or the intricacy of the technique in order to sell themselves. Sure, It's Alive looks pretty in its early seasons, but even when it transitioned to a limited setup during the pandemic lockdown, Brad continued to rake in the hits. People wanted to engage in their own way, in their own time, and at their own speed. Hey guys, saying It's Alive, we're, uh, we're here in my lovely kitchen. We're not shooting at the test kitchen right now, but we're, you know, we're being in touch. We're, we're Zoom communicationing and, uh, you know, doing all these different technology, man. You know, people love to hate on it. The producers also wisely facilitated ways for people to speak with one another in the comments section and elsewhere. Swapping tips, asking for help, sharing advice. It's a big part of streaming content. And it's why I recommend not turning off comments unless you truly can't handle the time it takes to moderate your work. One of your biggest strengths as an individual artist, rather than as a part of a media corporation, is that you can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with your audience, or at least help your audience members speak with one another. 
Of course, a path need not be so simple. You may have a radically branching game, like Disco Elysium or a Dungeons & Dragons session. You want to try D&D and you've got the starter set? But what now? Feeling a little overwhelmed about what's in the box? What to do next? Let's go through it step by step and get you playing. Or maybe it's somewhere in between, like Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. It's an adventure game based on the book. Jerome F. Davies was a genius. See that bloke who went cuckoo and cut his wife's head off? When it's a concert piece, a bit of madness is what you need. Regardless, remember how desires tie into this. Brad's work isn't stuffy. It's not exact. It's for people who want to have a good time and experiment, meaning that his work should be easy to interact with and allow for people to meander in and out. Yeah, take two. So uh, I think this is uh, take three. Start from the beginning. Oyster farming company. <laughs> all right, take five. That was good, all right? We're going to be oyster farmers. Uh, I didn't like that one, Ben. Champagne and your uh, oysters, and no, that sucks. That's Brad's take. What's yours? For this prompt, I want you to think about the path your audiences will take and rate it a 1, 2, or 3. A 1 is more or less linear, albeit with a limited amount of choice involved. Some examples of this would be a platforming game like Super Mario Bros., where people can't affect the narrative but can choose how to play a level. Or maybe an event where you're asking for audience suggestions, like a social media campaign, crowdsourcing contest, or improv show. Everything you are about to see, including music, is going to be made up right here on stage. And it is going to be inspired by what we collected from you during lunch. So all we need from the first two rows is any one word suggestion. A two on this scale would be something akin to a branching narrative or a live event with multiple installations or some other medium in which people can choose how to interact, but not so wildly that it's wildly divergent. The ability to play with narrative choice is one of the great strengths of video games as an art medium. But narrative choice needs to be thought through carefully, and all paths of that choice need to be developed. A three on this scale would be for sandbox games, simulations, artistic programs, and in-person shared storytelling experiences like Pitch Storm or Fate, where you as a creator give the user a sandbox to play in, and the user determines how they want to play. Planet Coaster is just about everything I could have asked for in a modern resurrection of the theme park sim genre, and then some. Its economic side is unchallenging, but a huge diversity of rides and attractions and a nearly absurd level of terrain, structure, and coaster customization options make for a very satisfying sandbox. After you determine that number, I want you to craft three sentences, each revolving around one of those desires you listed in the first prompt. What is it about your audience's desires that will be reflected in the path they take through your experience? If you find some snag or skew, think to what is tripping you up. Have you not thought through your audience's desires properly? Or are you perhaps not giving them the path that would help them fulfill those desires? Take your time with this, pausing if needs be, and then begin again. The next element I want you to think about with user choice is branching. We've discussed choose-your-own-adventure stories before, with particular focus on agency in the video game franchise Mass Effect in episode 27. Why did you bring me here? You must break a cycle that has continued for millions of years. But to stop it, you must understand, or you will make the same mistakes we did. And while that's certainly the most visible form of branching in an interactive structure, it's not the only one. Consider how in a Kickstarter, users can choose in which reward level they want to engage, or how in any loyalty program, people can choose how to spend their reward points. 
It's Alive with Brad does this more subtly. The viewer is enticed to take part in the demonstrations so that they can learn and improve in the kitchen. But they don't have to. Many people just watch or rewatch Bradley owns programs because of the wit that they display, if it can be called something so heady as wit. Oh god, oh god, oh cut. Cut, Vin. What happened, Brad? Oh. Tragedy over here. Is this your first time making kombucha, Brad? It sure looks like it. This creates a distinct branch for fans of It's Alive. Some people will want to watch every episode, try every recipe, and push themselves each time they click on a link. Others simply want to press play and take 10 minutes out of their day to smirk at Brad's antics. When you're working with chilies, you want to use, uh, well, you don't have to, do whatever you want. You should use some pla like, uh, latex gloves because you get the chili, the pepper oils, they get on your hands, you get in your eyes, you go to the bathroom, you, know, you get yourself in a real, uh, a real world of trouble there. Uh, it's happened before. It's happened before. It's happened before. It's happened before. No good. So we're, I'm going to go get some gloves, all right, Vinny? Most people are somewhere in between, of course. But by considering both options, Brad and his crew are doing something that I recommend you all do, way back in episode 5. Think about your two primary fans, their demographics, and what they want. It's Alive with Brad has a whole spectrum of fans, but they're anchored on one end by experimental explorers, and on the other end by those who like to laugh. Consider the branches in your own work. In this prompt, I want you to think of at least one kind of branch in your interactive experience. It can be a moral choice, as seen in numerous interactive structures, such as Mass Effect. It can be a way that people engage with your program, a la It's Alive with Brad. It can be a literal fork in the road, if you're creating a live event, convention, virtual reality experience, or amusement park. When Walt Disney asked the first Imagineers to create Disneyland, they confessed they didn't have a clue how to build an amusement park. So they built the park the only way they knew how, the way you make a movie. As guests step onto Main Street USA, it slowly comes in like a pan shot to reveal the castle, beckoning people down the street. Regardless of what it is, make sure that this kind of work is effortless. The actions that come from that choice can be challenging, such as in Duolingo, when one can determine which branch of a foreign language that one wants to explore. But the choice itself should be simple you will have enough difficulty in crafting your work without having to add extra impediments in your user's choices. When you've thought about that, I want you to write down your thoughts on a scratch piece of paper before composing a paragraph that highlights the branch and at least one desire to which it speaks in your audience's journey. You'll probably have more than just one branch and probably more than just one desire that you want to discuss, but for now, focus. Take as much time as you need, pausing if necessary, and then resume this podcast. You'll note that there's a lot of similarities in the structure to It's Alive with Brad and this program itself. Building a better story world is not about cooking, cuisine, or humor, of course, but what about structure? Both shows have a fairly linear path that allows for people to stop, start, and engage with me, if you so choose. Both shows also feature branching aspects in that they allow people to choose in what way they wish to take part, as a participant or as an observer. Most importantly, and critically, regarding user choice and interactive structure, they both allow for individualization. Individualization comes in all forms. Some experiences allow for people to pick their usernames, or create custom characters, or add to an ongoing work. Sports teams allow for choose-your-own-season ticket rewards, seat choices, and premium upgrades associated with top-end placement. New Journalism almost always uses comments section, both to keep journalists honest and to allow people to add their own commentary. Such individualization is not omnipresent like the first two elements of user choice, as smaller interactive works may not have the bandwidth to allow for radical differentiation in its user's choices. 
but when used properly, it's quite powerful. It speaks to the agency of your users, their desires to have a unique experience, facilitating ways in which the obstacles can be overcome, and has a mini-reward built in. The story in which the user takes part has a bit of their soul embedded from the very beginning. This is why I want you to focus on your work if you take part in prompts. I have particular tastes and narrative, but yours trump mine. I'm here to give you guidance so that the story world you create is reflected of your choices. Don't live someone else's life, and don't write a story you don't care about. It's Alive with Brad works in a similar fashion. Yes, Brad does give you helpful advice, strategies, and recipes, but he also allows for people to customize their experience. I don't like a soggy kimchi either, and I think that happens from over-fermentation. Some people love that. If you love that, that's fine. Do that. I like a little crunch like old Lau here and encourages people to share their own recipes, attempts, and much else. Remember how It's Alive speaks to the audience's desires for flexibility, skills, and humor. If Brad is too rigid, then it doesn't allow for user contribution. If Brad is only focused on food prep, he isn't imparting extra skills that audiences desire. If Brad is always right, he loses a bit of that humorous charm. Botulism? Chris, this guy and his botulism. No one's had botulism since like 1920. That might not be true. This is particularly important because most of the recipes, food, and production to which Brad is speaking are a little outside the comfort zone of the average viewer. Kimchi, tapeche, raw oysters, fermented mushrooms, black garlic. Brad isn't dealing in raw bison liver or Limburger or anything like that, but much of what he talks about can be intimidating, even if it's also aspirational. The people who are taking part in the process desire to impress themselves and others, while those who are simply watching want to get a little weird. Allowing for individualization gives a choice to users. Do they simply follow the recipe, or do they expand? Or do they start with the original recipe before making it their own after some trial and error? The agent here is being given the reins in a safe way, and it speaks to their control of their journey through life, as well as the chaos and unexpectability that comes with fermentation. Yeah, Vinny, things have blown up on me, all right? I don't want to talk about it. Oh no, that was the uh, basement brusco. That was a failed attempt at making a homemade hooch. But I took the bottle, I went to open it, boom, thing turned to sand. So be careful, by, and that wasn't in a fermentation grade bottle. You live and you learn. What is it like for your work? As your final prompt of the episode, I want you to brainstorm five ways that users can individualize their path through their interactive experience. You may feel that this is beyond the scope that you're working on at the moment. So instead, consider a blue sky approach. If you had all the money, time, and collaborators that you might need at your disposal, how could you get people excited via individualized content? Finally, choose one of those individualized approaches, just one, to really flesh out. Think about it from a practical perspective. How much is it going to cost, and how difficult will it be to implement? It's better to do limited individualization well than unlimited individualization poorly, or even in a mediocre fashion. Bad choices or poorly thought out individualization will both ruin the illusion of your experience and take away from your audience's agency. You've promised them something that you can't fulfill. It seems that they don't have so much control over their experience after all. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Be it in the form of paths, branches, or individualization, I hope you found some useful tips for user choice in your interactive experience, be it small, larger, or something in between. Continue to hone those skills. Our digital age is all about customer choice and agency. Being able to speak to that, even if you're working in traditional media, will pay off in dividends if you're put into a position that requires thinking about your demographics' desires and how they can be fulfilled. For now, though, that's a wrap. Tune in next episode as we detail the final element of interactive structure, rewards. 
We'll then be recapping this entire arc of content before going on a short break. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or whatever podcatcher you use. Check out buildingabsw.buzzsprout.com for direct downloads, steelphilippec.com for essays and other content from me, and Twitter, either at Words of Steel or at buildingabsw. Don't let your dreams be dreams, and don't let your imagination stay in your imagination. Building a Better Story World is written, produced, recorded, and sound engineered by Steel Tyler Filipek. The theme song, Asia, is by Ilya Marfin via icons8.com. All narrative clips are used under the Fair Use Doctrine, as defined by Title 17 of the United States Code, subsection 107, in that they are used for nonprofit educational work for the purpose of analysis, have been transformed from their initial records by audio engineering for podcasting, and are not substantive of the entire work or function as a direct market substitute. Audio effects are provided by freesound.org under the Creative Commons license. If you feel that this production has unfairly used a piece of audio to which you own the rights, please contact helmstarmedia at gmail.com.